Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, joining me now for an Arscast special, as there won't be an Arscast this weekend, um, in the wake of the Chelsea game, to have a little chat about the state of play at the club at the moment. Uh, our good player? Hi there. Gilberto Silva from Gunnerblog. Hello. And the man from East Lower. Good evening. Um, if I can start with you, man from East Lower, uh, a season which um, started tremendously positively has now taken on a, a really negative you can see how negative things have gotten in the wake of the 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 last two games against Sunderland and against Chelsea and uh, particularly the game against Chelsea I think people have been not surprised by uh, how much better they were than us but I I I think a little bit shocked um, that we didn't put up more of a fight yeah I think so I think uh, standing there in the uh, teeming rain yesterday was um it was quite sobering uh, how how, uh, uh, how much, especially in this, you know, sort of in the second half, we just sort of were going up against a brick wall. Basically, it was very, it was really lopsided at, at that point. I think I've slightly mellowed as the day's gone on, and um, and you know, I, I understand a bit more that the the circumstances, the, sort of the goal coming, the first goals coming when they did, uh, you know, conspired against us a bit. But that still doesn't take away the fact that we. We were really second best, painfully second best yesterday. Mm. Gilberto Silver, defensively, this team had issues last season. Um, the illusion that they've been fixed this season was maybe clouded a bit, as I said in my blog, that, you know, Gallus and Vermalen formed a great partnership, but it, it, it was more of a goal scoring partnership than a defensive one. Yeah, it was. And the other thing is that Vermalen is obviously a very accomplished footballer, uh, a very good player on the ball, good in the tackles, strong in the air. The, the problems are deeper than just the individuals. You know, all those defenders are international class defenders. Uh, it's more about the team and the system. I think that's more where our, our defensive problems lie. Uh, good player. Um, the headline, which I have to pick up again, the embarrassment of Titches, and I know it was one of your readers or somebody on, on Twitter that gave you that. Um, did that have a part to play in, in the goals that we conceded against Chelsea? Uh, I don't know if it had a part to play in the goals we conceded. I think Didier Drogba was a handful at the best of times. I think he's playing very, very well, and I think he's he's got one of those things where Arsenal's a club that he just thrives against, a bit like Adebayo used to thrive against Tottenham, and I, I don't think that made a... Jonathan Woodgate and Ledley King, bad defenders. Um, I think the, the Titches issue was, is, is slightly further up the pitch, if you like. Um, I think if you look at them, they all, there's a slight sameness, and I think you know that one is kind of similar to the other, to the other, to the other. Um, I thought it was a shame we 
didn't play Walcott really. I know he was pretty wretched when he came on, but I think he might at least have pinned Ashley Cole back early on, offered us some pace, which we which we really, if you're not going to have height, you know, you at least have pace. And we were kind of just all very technical. And I think I think that's where the tips has come into it, more than the defence. You know, I, on the defence, I think we the first 10 ga- the first ten games or 12 games or whatever it was, you know, we were scoring so many goals that conceding a few was always going to be a consequence of that. And I think also that uh, individual goalkeeping errors could be could explain a few of them. I, d- I, d- I just don't think Gallas and, and Vermeulen were actually so bad. I think I think they got given the runaround by Jopper yesterday and, yeah, these things happen in, in people's careers. It It is a team thing, though, isn't it, defending? Because you can talk about defending from the front and people think it's, it's a cliche, but uh, if you stop the supply, as we we spoke about maybe before the Chelsea game, stop the supply to Drogba and you, you go a long way to stopping the goals, uh, we weren't able to do that yesterday and some of the defending and some of the um, the responsibilities that lay further up the pitch defensively weren't uh, weren't taken care of. Yeah, I completely agree with that. If you watch Chelsea's first goal, uh, you know, Chelsea got two fullbacks. One of them is very good going forward, actually. Kind of, the other one offers nothing, really, and that's Branislav Ivanovic. So you can really concentrate. You can afford to sort of really deploy someone on that right-hand side to watch Carl Man United did it with Antonio Valencia quite successfully. If you watch the first goal again, when John Terry slides that ball through to Ashley Cole, uh, Andrea Sharvin completely leaves his man like he lets Cole run in behind him and he is not a defensive player but it's just the simple thing of tracking your man and and it's basic basic errors like that you know this is a side that's geared to attack and geared to go forward but that doesn't mean that defensive responsibility is not important I thought there was there was one really interesting moment um, quite early on in the first half where I think it was Michael Ashian who got it um, in the Chelsea midfield not that far from his goal I think it was Song who suddenly snapped in on him. And spurred by that, someone else then snapped in on the next Chelsea player who, who actually gave it to him. Before you knew it, we had a corner. Um, and it was really good. And, uh, but unfortunately, that was almost the only time that happened. Um, and that was, that was disappointing for me. I thought we were, we were very timid in the tackle. And I think if you look, if you look at it, Cesc Fabregas got booked in the last seconds. And before that, Armando Traore got booked for a, for a kind of one-off foul when he when the guy got away from him. But we, we, didn't even, we weren't even getting those kind of yellow cards in the midfield that you, you'd almost like to see your players get in a fixture like this. So that was really disappointing for me. How have we gone, uh, man from East Lower, from being a team which was not only a team that could play fantastic football because we had pace and we had skill and, and you can find those attributes in, in the Arsenal team of today. You know you've got creative players and, and, and all that. But we had real physical presence. We intimidated teams before we went on the pitch with the likes of uh, Vieira, Saul Campbell, Martin Keown, even Thierry Henry is six foot two. Robert Pires was over six foot, and they were a team that liked Gilberto Silva in there as well. Uh, uh, they were a team that liked to mix it up, and we we all remember the 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 red card. Um, Arsenal's shame. Every time he got a red card, it was another one to add to Arsene Wenger's terrible record since he arrived in England. How have we gone from almost, not one extreme, but we've gone so far the other way. How, how can we hope to compete? Uh, well, we have gone. We have gone the other way. And um, I, we, we, I, I think we, you look at the 2004 team, all of us who sat there in 2004 pinched ourselves thinking, yeah, this is never going to happen again. This is awesome. And and it was an awesome sight. I mean, if you look at the lineup, it was awesome. And and uh, we've lost a bit of the we've lost a bit of the experience, a lot of the experience there. We've lost 
some of the physical presence. And so I don't know why, I don't know why um, Wenger's opted for uh, the littler players, but it's, I honestly couldn't, he, he can answer that. We've got a few big players, but they're all, all the ones who are tall um, just weren't playing yesterday. And that's not really, uh, that's not really the fault of, of anyone other than the fact that they got injured. Um, but uh, the, the other thing I wanted to pick up on, which is quite interesting, is that Wenger said, um, uh, he said that, that we, 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 uh, it took us too long to, um, uh, you know, the Sunderland game affected us uh, longer than it ought to have done. And I find that really interesting. And, he, you know, you could tell yesterday that, that, um, that the heads went down a little bit. And I wonder why it takes us so long to, to recover from a blip. You know, it's a sign of a good team that you can bounce right back and, and uh, Sunderland away should just really shouldn't have had that kind of effect on us. Mm, I, I kind of agree with that. And yeah, I mean, any other thoughts? Because we do tend to take setbacks. Not, I don't know. We tend to really react very badly to them. You know that it takes us a while to get going again. Exactly. That's why we're having this conversation, really, isn't it? It's not what's happened. We, you know, we, we've lost two games. That, that happens to teams, and it, it's a shame. But we, you know, two two games ago, before the Sunderland game, we were, we were people's tips for the title. And, you know, we've only lost two games. It's not what's happened. It's what we fear is going to happen, which mm. I think is, is, is why we're all sitting here kind of shitting ourselves for want of a better term. Um, you know, we fear that we're going to go on a really bad run because that's what tends to happen. And we, seem, we tend to react to these defeats in the worst possible way. What I'd really like to see is us to beat Stoke. All right, Stoke are in good form. They've been doing well, but, you know, we're at home to them. We should be hoping to beat them. If we beat Stoke, then suddenly Chelsea at Man City... Um, and if they beat Man City, you know, be the first team to beat them at, at the Eastlands this season, fair enough. If they don't, then suddenly that gap is, you know, essentially down to five or six points, basically, if we, if we can beat Bolton at home in our, in our extra game. And, you know, this is the thing. We've got to get out of this rut that we always seem to get into. And that, that I think, is what everyone fears, more than the fact that, you know, we've lost two games. Gilberto Silver, um, this time last year, uh, I, we put the stats up and, and they're not that much different. Only at the end of November last year, we played two more games. We've got our game in hand, as we know, and I think the interlull uh, this season, the number of them has, has given us another two games to, to put ourselves in a better position. Um, after we lost to Manchester City on November 22nd last year, we then went on a run where we didn't lose again in the league until the 10th of May. So while we talk about uh, having bad spells and, and this mythical November, which isn't so mythical anymore, uh, we are capable of, of going on a long unbeaten run, which is exactly what we need to do right now. It is what we need to do. I mean, uh, I, I think that, you know, in that run, I think you've alluded to this on the blog, there was a lot of sort of quite poor draws, you know, which games that we should have won uh, and didn't. And it was a quite a frustrating time, <clears throat> sort of until February really came around. January and December were pretty dark months. Uh, everyone was desperate for new signings to go as far as I remember. And eventually one did and it sort of picked up. What's really interesting to me comparatively to last season is we've lost a similar amount of games but last season we seemed to do well in the big games against the big teams in the first half of the season and lose lose to sides nearer the bottom of the table this season we're comfortably beating most of those teams but the decent sides that we've come up against we lost to Manchester United we lost to Manchester City we lost to Chelsea we lost to Sunderland who are doing okay with the exception of Spurs uh, the derby game we've really sort of struggled in the big games. And that's actually something 
quite new for this Arsenal side. I think for the past couple of years, we've always done well with our immediate rivals, um, but struggled against the lesser teams. And I just think it's a really interesting uh, and quite hard to explain predicament. Any thoughts well, on that? Go on, sorry. Go on. Well, I was going to say two very quick points on that. Is that I think actually in 2007, 2008, when we did do quite well, we didn't actually um, do that well against the big teams. In fact, we did we did worse than we'd done the season before, which was a by all accounts, a pretty terrible year, the first one at the Emirates. And, and the other thing I'd say is that Man U last season, were, were their record against the top four was actually pretty woeful. So it, it's funny because there's always an argument to fit on it. You know, it's kind of you say, oh, we're, we're crap against the big four, or you say, or you say oh, we're crap against the small teams. And I, I, I mean, I don't have the answers. I, I don't quite know how it works. I, I, maybe, maybe some of it's just down to kind of chance and how, how things pan out, but it confuses me. The situation, let's say, with, with uh, the defence, and particularly I, I want to highlight the, the goalkeeping situation because if you look at a team and, and uh, you, you know you start from the back and goalkeeper is your first line of defence or last line of defence, however way you're going up the pitch, is this an Arsenal team that would benefit a, a great deal from uh, a goalkeeper who instills the kind of confidence and calmness in a defence that you know previous... Uh, incumbents have had. Uh, man from East Laura? I think if we could get a 1991 era David Steeman, we would. But uh, I don't actually think um, there are that many fabulous keepers available out there at the moment. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think... I've got my niggling doubts about Al Munio, and I have had sort of on and off for a few years. He's, he'll do well for a while, and I'll forget about it, and then suddenly you, you, a few things come along and you worry again. Um I would say, if I was being realistic here, if Fenning is going to make some signing in, the, in January, he's not going to make five. Um, so wh- where's more important that the cover get, or that might get spent on, you know, is it more important that we get another centre-back in or another striker in? And, and you could argue that it probably is. But I think, um, having said that, I think will Almunia be here sort of next while? Well, that I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's going through one of his stages, I think, isn't he? Mm. Any other thoughts on the on the keeping situation? Uh, have you guys seen that stat that's going around today? I, I can't quote it exactly, but it's about the percentage of shots on target that have been gold against this season. Yeah. And it's something ludicrous, 40% or something. 40% of shots on targets have been goals against us. And, and you know, obviously, you know, stats, they don't mean everything. Um, but that is a, a really worrying figure. And I think Almunia's form this season has been a long way off what it has been in the past couple of years. I've always been one of his staunchest supporters, but something's clearly not right. And I think the way in which he was uh, left out of the team earlier in the season only brought back like a real indie crisis. Suggests that his long-term future at the club is, in, is, in, is like the memories says, in serious doubt. What... Um... Uh, what do we make of the injury situation? Um, we, 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 we're without Robin Van Persie now till probably April. He is un- undoubtedly a, a really, really talented footballer, uh, capable of scoring and creating goals, but has never, since the time he arrived at Arsenal Football Club, gone through a season, it seems, without a serious or relatively serious injury. So for all that talent and all that ability... Are we wise to rely on him as our main striker 
Um, and, and I think his injuries are, are, are more unlucky rather than being a sort of an injury-prone guy who does his hamstring, you know, every few months like Michael Owen or Ryan Giggs used to do. He, he is a bit unlucky in that regard. But can we keep relying on him um, because when it leaves us in a situation like we're in at the moment? I think the funny thing is that, you know, I don't think, I don't think he was carrying us. You know, it's, it's a really easy argument to say that, oh, it was all to do with Van Persie that we were doing so well beforehand, blah, blah, blah. You know, at the beginning of the season, everyone was strutting around saying, oh, Van Persie, you can't burn me, he's not that kind of player. And of course, uh, he could. But but the interesting thing was that they were still saying that in the first, you know, three or four games, and, and we were knocking six past Everton and four past Portsmouth and four past Wigan, etc. And, and the forwards weren't scoring. Um, I think I think we've been unlucky to Van Persie and Bentner out at the same time. And I think Eduardo is a going through a difficult patch not helped by those cretins at UEFA and you know um, do you really think the UEFA I, mean, I know you said that in your, but do you really think that's had a, a big impact on his game and on his form I don't, I don't know I don't know but the, the more I look the more I think about it the more it just I, the more absurd it, I realise it is what happened I mean just, just such a bizarre kind of judicial process completely out of keeping I, I with agree. any kind I think of it was really thing. absurd but like Sorry to interrupt, but with like some players, they would respond to that. You know, if you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. God loathe him, but Cristiano Ronaldo was a, a hate figure for things like diving uh, and his other conduct in this country. But he took it, you know, on the on his massive, enormous chin and sort of went on and sort of established himself and kept performing and performing. And we sort of really, haven't really got time for Eduardo to sort of be sad about the fact that someone said he dived. If he didn't do it, he didn't do it. So it's like, just get on with it and, and play. Do you know what I mean? Um, no, I, I know, that... but I think, I think if, if you go, I think, I, just, I just think, you know, if you go onto YouTube, there's, I think Eduardo, and you know, there's kind of there's videos of him of him kind of just walking to his car at some away ground or something, and getting bombarded with abuse from you know some the fans of some I can't remember which club it was, it was someone Northern who we played this season or something. And you know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I just I'm just saying it, I look at it, and you know, I don't think he's he suddenly just went from to being public enemy number one basically, and 
being all over radio or TV. And of course, you've got to be mentally strong. I'm not saying that is the reason. It may just be that it may just be that he's not quite fit, or it may just be that you know how he's, he's going through a bit of bad form. I just I just look at that and it makes me angry because I think you know it was it was bizarre persecution, but it may be nothing to do with his his current you know struggles. Wouldn't it be ironic if, uh, if if he bounced back from having his leg practically severed, uh, and the, the thing that really scuppered him was uh, that he wasn't uh, he wasn't confident anymore? I, I'm not so sure that it's that. I just think he, he could uh, he he could be just struggling a bit for fitness, or um, yeah. he, 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 I don't, so I don't know. I mean, it would be a bit odd, wouldn't it, if, if that was the thing that sort of sank him? Mm. You, you'd no, be I, I just think he's on a bit of. It just, I think he's just going to a patch. It happens, you know. Hmm. It was interesting though watching him on Sunday. Like there were three occasions, or there might have been three, where he, he sort of the ball came towards him in the box, and Eduardo certainly pre-injury, and you know probably in those first few games when he came back and played intermittently, would have had one touch out of his feet and got a shot away, and it just wasn't happening for him at all. It wasn't happening, and you could see on the touchline, Arsene Wenger was getting really frustrated. Uh, and actually came off after an hour, which is early for an Arsenal Wenger substitution. No matter who you are, that that that's very early. Hmm. What about um, Arshavin? Um, the guy is capable of something out of nothing, but we're getting a a lot of nothing at the moment. Um, I, I thought the quotes, you know, regarding the World Cup exit were were really worrying from from an Arsenal point of view because uh, you know I don't give a shit about Russia. What I give a shit about is him performing for for the club, and I can understand him being upset, and I can understand him being, um, you know, a little bit down at, at the fact that his country hasn't qualified for the World Cup. But you know, talk about how nobody can revive me, and I don't, you know, oh, are they just a bit too precious? He talks a lot, doesn't he? Our show, and mm. I, I never quite know how much of it is actually coming from him, or how much of it's sort of attributed to him, because you do read a lot of that stuff about him. I don't know. He's he's weird. I, I, I'm not sure. I believe that that, um, that he's that affected by that. I, I'm not sure because I mean he, he's just, this is the player who, well, on one of his first games got eight stitches in his foot and just carried on, and uh, yeah. Ditto the other day he had like, five stitches in his head and just carried on. So um, I don't know really. I mean I think uh, it, again it would be a bit of a weird one if if he, if he sort of sailed through physical injuries, but. Um, uh, he couldn't quite uh, master the courage to play after his team went out of the World Cup. Mm. I think I agree. I mean, he's a tough, tough cookie. I think a lot of those quotes could be down to the fact that at the end of the day, he is the captain of a massive nation with a huge trajectory that they would qualify. Um, and he's got to come out and say, and sort of, you know, justify. He can't go, well, I'm not bothered. Do you know what I mean? There's a degree to which I'm sure it's... Yeah. An appeasement statement to say, look, we really cared, we really tried for for the country or whatever. Mm. I think that his role as international captain sort of. But then you know, on the other side of the coin, you've got Arsene Wenger saying, yeah, he's down. I couldn't play him at Sunderland, so there must be an element of truth to it. Let me say, let me talk about January because uh, I I think maybe more than any other transfer window, and we know how crazy how crazy they get transfer windows. Um, and the expectation that that fans have, uh, Ivan Gazidis was was quoted as saying during the week that success that is built is far more enjoyable. It's worth more than success that is bought. Obviously, a little bit of a dig at uh, at Chelsea. Um, the fact is, though, that you know 
um, Chelsea's bought success is a lot better than our built no success. So uh, given the given the issues that we have in this team, we can speak about goalkeeper. We can speak maybe about striker. We can speak maybe as well about centre half because. Uh, beyond Gallus and Vermaelen, I don't think anybody's convinced by the options. Sylvester played against um, Liège when after Gallus went off that time, and it was it was scary. I thought Senderov is so far out of the picture that uh, you know it's untrue. He's not even he's not even getting on the bench these days. So an injury to Gallus and Vermaelen, and we're playing players that Arsene Wenger doesn't even want to play. So. Not to salvage our season, but to give ourselves the best chance of of winning something this time around. Do we not have to go out in January and spend some money? And we know that there's money there. I'll, I'll go and just quickly here. I, I think. Um, well, firstly, I think a, lot, like a good player said as he, he said said the same. A lot can change between now and in a, in a week, two two weeks, and who knows? You know what what uh, what our form might be come the end of December. We could be flying again, and we might all be thinking. Well, it was a blip. We got over fast, and as it happens, we're doing okay. But at, at the same time, you saw the effect that our Chevin signing had on on us. It really packed us up last year. So I would be absolutely uh, amazed if we didn't uh, dip dip our uh, into the pockets, uh, into the checkbook this uh, this January. I really would. Yeah, I'd agree. I think yeah, I think he will go for something. I think there's. Um, I think you're quite right about the centre back issue. I mean, it's. You know, if one of those two get injured, it's a, it's a disaster, frankly. Because um, whether or not Sendros is good, the fact that he's so far out of the picture. Um, Joru is obviously completely out of the picture for ages. Um, and uh, as you say, I mean, I wouldn't say Sylvester was scary. I'd say it was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, it's no disrespect to him, but blimey. Um, and, you know, that, that really has to be addressed. And I think we probably need to look at, Replacing Song, just as a side note, going back to yesterday, I find it astonishing that he took off Alex Song. I think yeah. his Alex Song thinks he Alex Song has got so much confidence at the moment. He, you know, he thinks he could, he thinks he can do anything. Alex Song, uh, and he probably can the way he's been playing. You know, and with all due respect to Danielson, Song's probably even better going forward at the moment than Danielson is. I'm not saying Danielson's terrible, but but Song's just been excellent and. You don't take off your best player, and in a way, when you're when you're going for the game, the one thing you do want is one that one actual holding player to sit in there who, who, who won't commit forward. Mm. And I, I found I, I found that quite an extraordinary call to take Song off at half time, but that's just me. He he does love Danielson though, doesn't he, Gilberto Silva? Arsene Wenger, I mean, not you. Yeah, he does. But it's, it, I mean, I was amazed by that by that decision as well because not only is Song superior defensively, stronger in the tackle. He added some much-needed physicality to that midfield. He's actually now showing that you know he can pass the ball, he can he can pick a pass. He's a, looking a more creative player than Danielson. Who yeah. Danielson works very hard, and he's in a three. He's a good body because you know he, he gets stuck in. I understand exactly why he was picked in the starting lineup, but why he was retained alongside Fabregas in a, a partnership that we know doesn't really work doesn't really function uh, I have I have absolutely no idea um, and Song is going to be a massive loss not only in defence midfield but because in many respects he would be my first choice cover at centre back because um, mm. I prefer him to you know Sylvester or, or Senderos probably Senderos I think it's not even worth us talking about I don't think that unless there's a big injury crisis he's even going to get a look in I think for all intents and purposes he, his career with Arsenal is essentially over mm. so I, I would 
I would love to see a defender come in. I would love to see, I'd love to see a goalkeeper come in, to be honest, but I think it would be unlikely to happen in January. I think a centre-back might come in and a striker, maybe, maybe, but there's been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of faith and a lot of investment of time in people like Nicholas Bentner and Carlos Vela, and it might be a little bit against Arsenal's principles um, to go and then, you know, pay out big money for a, for a forward. Mm. Well, I, yeah, okay, we can talk about principles, you know, not getting your results, but Vela is a guy that, you know, has got to start producing. Bentner, when he comes back, can fit into that into that central role. But when we look ahead, let's not sort of dwell on what's what's really wrong and, and all that. When we look ahead to December, the, the, the fixtures that we've got, um, you know, in the league, Stoke, Liverpool then is going to be the trickiest fix, fixture, I suppose. Then you've got Burnley, you've got Hull City, you've got Aston Villa, you've got Portsmouth. You know, if you can get the right results, if you can come through December unbeaten with, you know, four wins out of those, uh, you know, six league games under your belt, then you're you're really, you know, back on track. Uh, and I think we're capable of doing that. Quite yeah. right. And I, I think, you know, we we mustn't talk ourselves into despair. And, I, you know, that goes for the team, the fans and everyone. I, I know that we do tend to go on bad runs, but, you know, we're, we're, we're ostensibly three points behind United if we win our game in hand. It's not, not the end of the world. And if you, you only need to look at how Tottenham have responded to the pasting they took at the Emirates four weeks ago. Um, and if you actually look at that game, it was remarkably similar. Um, I, obviously, they were the away team, but, you know, the kind of decent start, didn't do enough. Two goals just before the break from sloppy defending. Chance after the break, didn't take it. 3-0, you know, looked hopeless, missing the main strike as well. But you only need to look how Tottenham have done that. Uh, and they've come back, and they're, they're having a great season. You know, whatever you think of Harry Redknapp, you can't say they're not. And, you know, we can come back and, but, you know, we just have to show that we can do it. And we just get so depressed as fans and teams, you know, the team, the club, when, when, when we lose two games. I can see why, because we do go on bad runs, but it's infuriating. Sorry, I just said a bit of perspective maybe is no bad thing. I don't want to sound unambitious, but going into this season, there was a lot of talk from fans of other clubs, but Arsenal fans as well, about this being a team that based on the evidence of last season and the lack of investment was not capable, you know, of a top four finish. People were looking at Man City, people saying Liverpool were going to be title challengers and, you know, it was, it was uh, there weren't that high hopes. Now, people are going, oh, well, they're going to come third. You know, I mean, like, there, there was a time when people thought that wasn't possible. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, to be in with a, a shot, uh, albeit a long one now, um, you know, it's, it's something that we we ought to feel slightly more positive about. Man from East Lower, final well, thoughts? I, I mean, my, my final thoughts are that, yeah, it was a very disheartening loss, which is why we're all a bit gloomy uh, still. But uh, but ultimately, I think I still think this side's improved. There's, there's a definite different feeling to it. I mean, uh, maybe Sunderland and Chelsea notwithstanding, but the, we, we've we've the whole of the Arsenal crowd, all Arsenal fans, felt a lot more positive about us this year, and with good reason. I think uh, the the trick is how quickly we can now just brush this, you know, the last two games under under the under the carpet and just get on with it because I think we have made progress, and I think it's easy to forget that, however disheartening it might be. All right. Final thing. Um, we've got the um, we've got the Carling Cup on Wednesday night. Um, tomorrow night, uh, we're we're going to put out kids the same way we're going to put out kids against Olympiacos, which is uh, which is fair enough. Manchester City on the back of uh, seven consecutive draws in the league. 
are he, he needs a win, so he's going to yeah. put out his his big team, isn't he? How much of a test is that going to be? Because we've seen the young boys come through and they've played with no fear, but you know this is a very expensively assembled Manchester City team, and and uh, they have to start winning games sometime. It's a massive test. Um, you know, the seniors team, the, the first team, lost 4-1 at Eastland this season. But that was a different Manchester City. That was a Manchester City that was, that was flying high on the confidence of all these stars coming in and had picked up some, some good results to start the season. They're in a bit of a rut. They've drawn is it seven games, like you say, in a row. And I think the hope, I think, for this Carling Cup team comes from the fact that there's going to be massive pressure on City to get a result tomorrow. They are the huge favourites when you look at what the probable lineups will be. And their fans will be desperate, desperate for a win of any sort so they can start to turn the corner in the league and get back on, on a winning track. So if things don't go well, if they don't take an early lead, uh, we do have players with the ability to go out there and express themselves. And, you know, you never know. I have to say I'm not hugely confident, but there's definitely uh, an outside shot. I think he'll take Theo Walcott there. He's going to play him. I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's been when his press conference is. I presume it's Tuesday. Um, But so obviously at the moment we don't know. But I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he took Walcott. It wouldn't surprise me if he just tried to give it a little bit of a just did what he could to make it not too inexperienced, if you like. Could he play Rizitski? Maybe. Could yeah, possible, quite possible as well. Well, he's got to play Walcott as well, though, doesn't he? Because, you know, Theo's played, I don't know what, 90 minutes or 100 minutes of football so far this season. And, you know, you do get the feeling that he's a guy that that needs a run of games to feel confident about himself and to feel confident when he's got the ball, you know. Uh, Abue. Well, yeah, Abue could play too. But, you know, uh, Theo, if he's going to play a part in our season, you know, and, and obviously he's viewed as a, as a first-team player, you know, he's got, he's got to start giving him some minutes. Can't keep him in cotton wool forever. He's got to unleash him, man. And the more experience, more games under his belt, the better. Let's just hope that, you know, he's injury-free. But I'd love to see him on Wednesday. I think it would be superb to have him in the side of the real boost. All right, gentlemen, we better leave it there. Uh, thank you very much, Gilberto Silva from Gunnerblog. Cheers. Uh, good player from goodplayer.com. And the man from eastlower.co.uk. Thank you. No problem, cheers. Uh, my thank you to the three gentlemen for their time, uh, for that little bit of a chat, uh, just to talk about what's going on and are things as bad as we think they are? They're probably not as bad as we think they are. Not as good as we would hope, but not as bad as we think they are. Uh, this special cast is brought to you midweek because there is no cast this weekend because I'm not going to be here. Um, I'll give you more details on the blog during the week. I know those of you who entered the uh, the competition for the Savile Rogue Scarf will be uh, dying to know who won, but you'll find that out on the next Arscast, uh, the next proper Arscast, which will be on Friday week. Uh, so until next time, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.